We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. Hello and welcome to episode 132 of the Beyond 90 podcast. This is Eric Subihano hosting for one more episode of Australia's longest running women's football pods. It's a bit wet here in Sydney. We hope wherever you are, it's better weather than we've got in the Harbour City. We hope you're safe and dry and sane and all those good things. So it's the usual trio for this episode. Joining me, uh, Magella Card and Dale Roots. As always, so firstly, I think I might throw up to Dale because he... I think he's gotten a bit more slammed with the weather than I have today. How's things going? Uh, it's cooked. It's yeah. absolutely awful outside at the moment. Yeah. Um, to the point where we have a sash window uh, above our bathroom and it was raining vertically. Uh, so that was not great, um, but that has been rectified. Um, but no, otherwise, uh, it's just super, super humid here. Yeah, it, um, it which is. Which is why I look like mm-hmm. an absolute pest. Yeah. And then um, speaking of humidity, a woman who I'm sure is used to humidity where she lives. So Madge, uh, you might actually be feeling more comfortable than us for once. No, I think so. It's, I'm <laughs> just thinking that the usual Brisbane weather seems to have just decided to migrate further south. Yeah. Um, it's, it is, it's pretty humid, but um, we're luckily we're not getting any crazy storms or anything at the moment. But I'm sure I'm sure we'll get them back again. Yeah, I, I really hope you don't for a while, but yeah. yes, I hope hope might be all we have at this point. <laughs> so, so time for the weekly history lesson. So do you love left-footed set-piece wizards? Of course you do. Matilda's cap 132 is Colette Gardner, who I'm sure most of you will know as Colette McCallum. The Scottish-born wizard debuted for the Matildas in 2005, played for our beloved Tillies up until 2015. 81 caps, 11 goals, running things from the midfield. So uh, notes in the pod article as always for the uh, for the full um, or for a better summary of her career. But uh, where do you start? Two World Cups, three Asian Cups, including the championship week championship winning campaign of 2010, Perth Glory Legends, a uh, lot of time in the Answered Summer Series as well, played overseas. Oh, uh, we'll link to an article written by the fairy godmother of Australian women's football, Anne Odong, that was published in 2020, just about um, Colette. And uh, one of the things I liked, uh, the Colette McCallum Medal that was launched by um, Football Australia, awarded to a women's youth player whose conduct and character aligns with and amplifies the values of Australian football. So certainly high praise indeed from the National Federation. I'll throw to you two in a bit, but I just wanted to say like, one of my possibly my first Matilda's memory is uh, Colette's brilliant free kick for the Tillies against Canada in the 2007 World Cup, where they ended up getting the point they needed to progress to the quarterfinals. But I think I'll throw first to Dale because your knowledge of this period is better than mine. But what do you think of when you hear the name Colette McCallum? Uh, I mean, Colette was one of those players who for so long, especially for Perth. And obviously the WNSL was a little bit before my time, but uh, for Perth was always just super, super dependable. Um, she basically ran the show um, for the whole time that she was there. Uh, I know, uh, I'm just having a look at her stats. I seem to recall her scoring against Sydney and Wollongong from a free kick, but I could be wrong. These things tend to evade me. Um, but 
yeah, as I said, always been a super, super dependable player. Um, this, the Matildas were lucky to have so many uh, like deploying midfielders and mm-hmm. midfielders in general in that era. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I mean, she still made like 84 appearances for the Matildas, but I think uh, in a different era, she probably would have started younger and finished later potentially just because we had so many good midfielders in that period. But I mean, you know, as I said, she, she won the Asian cup in 2010 um, as part of that kind of midfield group. And yeah, she was always super dependable. Whenever I watched her, she was just kind of like taking things along, not the flashiest player in the world, but could pick a pass, could win a tackle, you know, could control the tempo of the game. And especially at Perth, which we know that they had kind of inconsistent seasons. Um, They had a lot of talent um, up front and then they kind of had, uh, you know, uh, a lot of young players mixed into their squads. Typically you kind of think of her as, you know, old reliable, just chugging along, making sure that everybody's kind of keeping up with the game plan, picking the right passes, making sure everybody's in the right position. She, she really was a leader for that team for a long, long time. And as you said, I mean, she's, She's one of very few players to have something named after in Australian football, which is, I think, uh, typifies typifies the kind of player that she was and the kind of person that she was. Yeah. So, uh, Madge, we were uh, talking before we started recording. A bit, bit of a sad thing that she had to retire so early. Yeah, I think uh, sort of like Sally Shippard from last week. Mm-hmm. I sort of, you know, just reading the article and re- yeah, remembering back to when she retired. I I do remember it was like, oh, that's too soon. But um, the unfortunate. Um, similar story of just ongoing injuries. Uh, and then when you think back to the, um, you know, the the state of the prof- level of professionalism at the time, you know, all those things compounded um, often to um, uh, result in players leaving the game earlier than what, what we would otherwise like to see. Um, but I, I was actually just surprised there to look that she only had 11 Matilda's goals. And I was just having a look at her, um, Perth goals as well and I kind of thought that she was a bigger scorer than she was but maybe I'm just uh, like you Eric just have that (laughs) the Mm -hmm. memory of that Canada goal (laughs) emblazoned on my mind that um maybe giving her a little bit more uh goal scoring threat than than was warranted but surely she had to be up there on the assist sheet as well because that's I yeah I just remember her sort of creating so much and being really um yeah one of those the best creative uh, outlets in in the Matildas uh, team for sure. That's how I remember her as, as a player. Yeah, and um, I think yeah, eleven goals from the Matildas, eleven goals for Perth, and I you assume I assume from that twenty two goal of the season contenders. Uh, but, <laughs> I yeah. would I would go so far as to say Colin McCallum walked so that Katrina Gorry could run. Yes, lovely point. Very similar uh, player, both you know, kind of doing the work, doing the dirty work, not necessarily the most glamorous job in the world, but, you know, wicked, wicked free kicks. And, um, and as you say, tons of assists. Yeah. And uh, to Banter's point about creativity, uh, three assists in four games during Australia's 2011 World Cup campaign. So three assists in a tournament. I is, mean, that's, that's when, when Matildas wouldn't be banging in that many goals. In Correct. The world. No, I think we only scored uh, one, we scored three against Equatorial Guinea. I think we might have only scored like six goals in that campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that says a lot about uh, Colette. And we certainly hope wherever she is, she's doing well and uh, making whatever contributions to football and to life that uh, she sees fit. Uh, so on to the news and my tradition of getting all the bad news out of the way and then upswinging to good news later on. So firstly, this was very 
unfortunate scenes at the public holiday game between Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC. That was at Amy Park. And we'll link to um a, a link to a tweet from friend of Beyond 90, Kieran Yap, just the disorganization, which um did a lot of things, which stopped people from seeing the game until well uh, getting into the actual part of Amy Park where you can see see the pitch until well after kickoff and could have created a safety issue as people crowded into a small space. And I think Kieran said, if this was a men's game, it'd be getting dangerous. Um, I get, I shoot off to media boxes at every op, um, possible opportunity. So I'm not the best person to speak to this, but um, let's think, if, is this common for you, Dale, in terms of, you know, stadiums not being managed the best in terms of spectators? It feels like history repeating it yeah. um, in, in yeah. the olden days of yeah. um, common like uh, double headers all the time. Gates opening basically right on kickoff. Yeah, like five minutes before kickoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty ridiculous. So it just seems uh, that seems to be the case here uh, again, uh, which is just, you know, we just expect better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's, there's just no excuse for it. You're playing a professional game. Uh, people have paid for tickets. Open, yeah, just be better. <laughs> I don't know how much, how long, and how often we have to complain about this stuff. It's yeah, um... it's it's to me, and to me, it's weird because it's like I know that, and this is taking a little bit of a left turn here, but um, I know that flight attendants, flight crews, don't get paid until the doors shut. Um, so I wonder, like, is this an issue with that the club? Victory in this case, don't want to pay security guards for an extra half an hour. I think or longer, but like it, it, and I mean, I'm glad that it happened at Amy Park because like there's so much space outside. Like you've got Gosh's Paddock and you've got there's those two kind of big concourses on the outside of the stadium, plus the area between, uh, like out near the tram line at Richmond. Like so, people can kind of mill around, but like once you're into the stadium, you're in. If you can't go any further than those gates, anybody who knows Amy Park will know that there's like a, a concourse that wraps around the whole ground that you can walk around. But if you're stopping people in that area, then you know you're creating a you're creating basically a what the police call it. You're kettling, keeping people in the one area. But as you say, it's an easy fix. Pay an extra however many thousand dollars to get the secos out there for an extra 15, 20 minutes. Like it's it's not that hard. It's not we're not asking for another like we don't want to sit in the sun for an hour. It's literally like 15 minutes. Yeah. And of course the point was made many times on that day. This is a World Cup year, and that is a World Cup venue. <sighs> okay. So speaking of history repeating itself, uh I I just want to brush over this because we've made this point many times already, but more A-League women games played in unsafe conditions. So um Basically, a couple of Western United players suffered uh, from heat stroke at McKellar Park. Uh, initial reports said they went to hospital, but apparently they were actually treated on the scene. But still, it's just, it's ridiculous. And I think you're making the point, Dale, off mic that at McKellar Park, there's nothing after. What there's nothing after 5 p.m. on a Saturday yeah, night. And also, in the there's summer? nothing, yes. there's, there's no, there's like no outside of the change rooms, there's also no protection. So, like, you go into the change rooms, yep, and yep, that's correct. It's been a while since I've been there, but there's no, you're not, still, you're right, yeah. like air conditioning in the change rooms. Mm-hmm. There's probably air conditioning in the press box, but it's not like when you go into like one of these big grounds where you've got air conditioning all up in the boxes and mm-hmm. the suites and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing else going on that, like, 
I wouldn't have been surprised if they had to treat these players in the soccer club next door because it's the cool. It would have been the coolest place mm-hmm. and would have had ice and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like you go onto the Bureau of Meteorology, you go forecast. How hard is it? Like, and even with the whole wet bulb thing, like if players are out there getting heat stroke, it's just an unsafe work environment and it's not good enough. And if they're getting go over this stroke, every year. And if they're getting heat stroke under the current wet bulb uh, parameters, maybe you need to change them. Maybe the mm-hmm. maybe, maybe the rules wrong. aren't fit for purpose. Exactly. exactly. Like I remember when they played in when they played that N, uh, NWSL game in Houston, and I think it was Rachel Daly passed out on the field. Like, it feels like we go over this every year, but it feels like something like that is going to have to happen here, and until before something changes. And like, it yes, the PFA can kind of stamp their feet and tell them they want better, but. You know, we don't have a broadcast agreement for this competition. There's nothing stopping the clock from being the the kickoff time from being moved. It's the the you know, one it's point. Not a, it's not rocket surgery. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's one of those things that shouldn't be a negotiable. It's it's there's mm. it, there are lots there are lots of hard problems. I think, especially for the A League women, also just for a, for a A leagues in general. Um, mm. our, our league is not the most cash cash rich sport going around it's also not the most facility rich in a lot of circumstances so you've got a you've got a a a hard nexus of how do we get good broadcast good facilities good fan experience um good pitches uh and light let's see (laughs) some of those overlap so it's 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 it it is I, i do sympathize a little bit with the APL and, and the FA um, before them in trying to balance the competing needs. And where I think I, I firmly believe fans can help is what we expect on the broadcast side. So I think one, one aspect that uh, I believe was an issue, particularly last year with the APL, was because that they were committed to a certain level of broadcast standard that meant that the lights at at facilities had to be of a certain standard now if that's so then if people can't make that standard they're forced to playing in the game uh, during during the day so things like that now if we're happy as fans to accept broadcast that's maybe not the absolute best hd thing you've ever seen but there's plenty of good mpl grounds that have decent lighting it may not be absolutely perfect. And that doesn't mean that we should allow uh, the broad or accept really bad broadcast standards. We should still expect multiple cameras. I mean, and, and we can do this. We see that they do it with the Australia Cup. They can get really decent coverage, not the highest coverage that you would get in an Amy Park in a Suncorp Stadium, but still really good coverage at those smaller grounds. So... there's always that that give and take that I think um, you need to find the right balance. The absolute wrong balance is putting the players in a position where they're playing and getting heat stroke. There needs to be like just a, like I'm going to be an accountant. Like you've got your fixed, your fixed limit of of what you're able to accept. This is your cost and you're you're not going to bear that sort of cost. Yeah. Yeah. 
And like, as you say, you, the point that you make around uh, cameras and the expectation of facilities and, and expectation of broadcast, like Canberra is, a, it's, I mean, it's right on the brassy line. So there's plenty of AFL venues, but there's plenty of rugby venues that have more than good enough lights. McKellar Park, they've played at night before. Mm-hmm. If they need to get more lights in, they can. Like, as I said, this is not an unsolvable problem. You mm-hmm. only need more lights on one side of the ground because that's mm-hmm. where the cameras are looking. Yep. Um, like, if, if, if the MPL can have a decent double camera broadcast like they did at last year's grand final, then, you know, there's no reason the A-League women can't do it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Dell makes a good point about those lights being on one side of the ground. I remember an Australia Cup tie at Marconi Stadium where I was looking into those lights, and um, yep, they're bright enough. Yeah, so. I used to, I used to, uh, I used to do that in a in a, in a formal life. I used to uh, organize those kind of things for for sporting facilities, and yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into it. But again, you know, we're kind of it's it's a legacy. It's a legacy we could be leaving. Yes, and it, yeah, that's a good excellent. Segue. I'm doing my best. Thank you. Ec- excellent use of a word. That's a big word for this year and beyond. Also, just mm-hmm. before we move on, Madge, how was it at um, AGA Kelly Park on Sunday? Uh, it was it was disgustingly humid during the day, and I got given a lesson on why humidity isn't a great um, indicator of of how you feel. Apparently. Uh, dew point is much better. Mm-hmm. So we went and looked up what the dew point was and it was at a, apparently what is deemed as pretty bad um, where it starts to feel pretty damn gross. Um, again, yep. it, it, I, so the first half was, was pretty gross. It was, um, it got better in the second half again, just I think being yep. <clears throat> uh, up at Redcliffe and getting some of those sea breezes mm. uh, helps out a little bit. So it did, yeah. did cool down significantly in, in the second half, but yeah, it was still pretty pretty sticky and uncomfortable uh definitely at the beginning mm. of the game yep this uh, week's going to be interesting because yeah. that sydney are playing here and it's going to it's meant to rain it's meant to be tropical quote unquote all week and in that mm. big stadium that they're going to be playing out on the weekend there's no wind mm. yes and that's so sorry, that'll yeah. be that'll be interesting I said I was going to move on, but I had one more point, which is the game i went to uh so wanderers jets was moved from three back to five thirty, which was a start, but um, if it wasn't for that random breeze that runs through Rudy Hill, it's nowhere near the sea. Somehow we got a, a nice enough breeze to make it at least kind of okay in the it's coming stand. Off Prospect Reservoir. That Prospect Reservoir. Own, oh, yes, that, yeah, that, that fame, that fame breeze coming off the system. <laughs> yeah, that fame breeze coming off Eastern Creek. I don't know, but it's it was it made it kind of bearable for the spectators. But yeah, you could see the players that had to manage their energy and all that nonsense. And then when the game finished, so about 7.30, uh, that was when it was nice football weather. So, mm-hmm. and same thing as McKellar Park. There's nothing on a wondrous football park at night. So it's just- Yeah, I, I feel like the 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 Western Sydney equivalent, the Fremantle doctor is prescribing something very different. But, you know. <laughs> I, I, I just like to- I would like to say, um, just in, in, in case anyone that would to give me future <laughs> employment opportunities is, watch, is watching that I, I just like to laugh randomly and I do not understand what my colleague Dale Riggs is talking about. <laughs> now, that's a nice segue to the, 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 the unfortunate news out of the NWSL that a Portland Thorns trainer was fired after giving codeine a controlled substance, of course, to players without a prescription and... More problems in the NWSL. Uh, don't want to. Don't have to go through into this too deeply, but just like how how can we change this? It's. I had no idea that codeine was a prescript was a banned substance. Yeah. I, um, this is. I mean, it's, I'm a, not an elite athlete. This is not 
something that I have to know. But it, it was news to me. We we did, I did uh, I did go through the being an asthmatic. You're not allowed to take. You're not allowed to have over a certain level of salbutamol in your system, which is what is yep, the yep. drug in uh, yes, asthma products. Yep, yep. And I was like, oh, I had no idea about that. There was yes. a whole thing in the Tour de France about that a few years. Yeah, ago. that's it. There's so that that they yeah, that's I I know. Well, those are the two ways I know about salbutamol being an asthmatic and following cycling. Um, yeah. Also, codeine. Um, I remember. I think. The first time I had codeine, because I did know it was a controlled substance, I'm like, why? It's just done for pain relief. Then I took it. I'm like, ah, I understand why this is a controlled <laughs> yeah, substance. Right. It's it's too good. It's like, yeah, this I, I now have an unfair advantage over my illness. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just uh, more cultural issues with the NWSL. And it's like, hope this they can sort this out at some point, please. So uh, as we move on to uh, an article, uh, Cheryl Downs very nicely put in our Slack. It's... Uh, making the point that as of currently only four out of 12 FAWSL coaches are women. Is this a cause for concern? We'll link to a BBC article. And I think that's kind of a link to what I put in yesterday about um, Ireland doing stuff with their um, with women only coaching courses and hope, hoping that Australia could do the same here, because I don't know what your thoughts is, but I think it's, you kind of have to, um, fix the whole system if that makes sense to get more coaches at the top level because if you think of my my analogy was if you think of it as a pyramid with grassroots coaching at the base and the FAWSL at the top if you're England then you build you increase the size of the base by getting more women in a grassroots level eventually that will lead to more women that are FAWSL coaches and hopefully following in the footsteps of the brilliant Emma Hayes but I don't know if you, any of you two had thought any thoughts that about um, how we increase the numbers of women in coaching Thoughts? Oh, look, I mean, I think similar to what, what you just said, Eric, it's, it, it is a whole whole of system issue um, yeah. and there's not one solution. Um, but yeah, certainly, uh, I mean, and, and there's going to be some people who are, you know, and have been historically quite happy to get in, in there and, and work their way through the current systems that are there. But the fact that there are so few women's coaches uh, tells you that there is something missing from the very beginning. So whether or not it's, uh, you know, at that grassroots level, uh, an expectation that, or that people don't want women's coaches or, um, mm. or that yet, yeah, what about mm. the training? What, what about the pathway is not attractive um, to players or, or people wanting to get into it. So yeah, absolutely. I think programs, uh, you know, like the the one in Ireland that you, that you referred mm. to are a good start. Um, but yeah, it's probably something that needs, multiple interventions uh throughout the whole pyramid yeah yeah but the other, oh sorry Dale, you're gonna say something no go on okay oh yeah the other thing that i thought of specifically for the, in terms of trying to resolve this is um yeah more women at boardroom level because of course the boardroom of these clubs are where the hiring decisions are made in terms of uh who is the coach so obviously equi- gender equity there leads would lead to gender equity in other areas of the sport yeah now as we move on you could see this as bad news i choose to see this as funny news and i'd love your thoughts barcelona and sevilla have been kicked out of the copa de la reina the spanish cup for fielding ineligible players so uh it's big um australian park football areas this to me just or new zealand big- olympic qualifying areas or or or, or 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 certain um, NPL New South Wales seasons that yes. where, a, where in NPL New South Wales men's where a a former NSL giant may or may not have missed finals because of fielding an ineligible player back in round one. Who could say? Mm-hmm. But uh, the um yeah that's interesting. 
<laughs> just oh my goodness um Look, my only yeah. response is like I, I try and try and keep well clear of Barcelona Woso fans on the mm-hmm. internet um but the fact that I keep so I don't know how they've reacted to this but um I can probably only be happy that it would make them mad yes and I'm Barcelona. probably going to get some hate from Barcelona. I think that's probably the best way to uh, live your life is avoiding <laughs> Woso fans from Barcelona. Yeah. Um, I'm just having a quick look. Um, Sevilla is in uh, Andalusia, which is like the southern portion of uh, Spain. A lovely part just, of the world, by the way. It is a lovely part of the world. Uh, I was just thinking like, you know, whether there's some kind of regional favoritism going on here, but no, it just looks like they, 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 did the wrong thing um yeah as you said fielding ineligible players that got what was it Hazer got sent off last in the last yeah, yeah. version of the cup and yeah it's, 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 yeah, it's really a cup a cup specific um suspension which carries over to all the, the the next season she transferred and uh someone and they were not as uh the clubs were not as um shall we say au fait with the rules as they should have been now Next one mm. on my list is, uh, again, something we'll cover briefly, but we'll link to as well, uh, a FIFA global transfer report for 2022. And good to see continued growth in women's football player transfers. So uh, this, of course, it's, you know, pennies compared to the ridiculous amounts in men's football. But it's good to see as you, we see more, more, more and more multi-year deals in women's football, it allows... Teams like, for example, Sydney FC with Remy Simpson to get compensation when uh, players decide players move on and when uh, teams want to sign players from other teams. So that, of course, will that of course that's money that can go back into the women's football programs at particular clubs. So uh, any particular thoughts with that? But I think it's good, and I hope it continues to grow. Although I feel like most of that figure is Kira Walsh. But <laughs> I was just about to say it that we still haven't had a million pound player in women's football um and especially in the day and age chelsea have spent 500 million euros or 500 million pounds in the last 12 months in transfers um Mm -hmm. and uh pounds of that was lauren james um and that is like the third highest transfer of all time. Yeah. Um, and also there's there's this kind of stuff coming out, especially in the men's game where um, players, uh, sorry, clubs are, play, are paying over periods of time. So like the Ukrainian player that Chelsea have just signed, mm-hmm. they've paid his transfer over eight seasons. Um, so they're signing these like ridiculously long deals and that's all happening in the men's game. And then you kind of, as you say, Eric, you look at what's happening in the women's game and it's like, oh, Sam Kerr has a, 18 month extension on her contract um, for no increase in pay. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's not exactly like we're, we're playing for sheep stations for one of the word at this point still, unfortunately. Yeah. I still think you're probably waiting for more leagues to uh, yeah. really yeah. Yeah, get that investment going just to get that demand um, mm. and competition up and running. And also for players at the moment, like what really are the destin- destination leagues is probably mm. you know, a very small handful. So uh, English clubs know, like if there's players who just their lives, I like living in England, um, you know, it's it's probably harder for other leagues to pull them away. Uh, you know, if, if, if the 
the the standard of those leagues aren't sort of on par or better. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think we'll probably see it the competition increase once you see more more leagues um, playing in that space in, in a more serious way. Otherwise, you know, even though there's a few really rich clubs who you know absolutely have the ability to pay more, uh, if they don't have to, they're not going to. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. yeah. No I mean, I feel like it, in Australia we can't really like uh, we can't really hold ourselves up to any higher standard when we don't have transfer fees, like internal transfer fees in mm-hmm. any of our leagues or between any of our leagues, which is still wild. But like as you say, Madge, I think it comes down to mostly where these players want to play in terms of the city or the club. Um, I'm just having a look at Wolfsburg's uh, travel Wikipedia page and the main photo is a power station next to the river. Um, yeah. So it, it, I understand why Penilla Hardo wanted to leave. Yes. <laughs> not is, look at the coal fired power station that is, is turning. Is that why Chelsea didn't pay that much? Your, yeah. yeah. They, they paid in coal and automotive parts, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's uh yeah, I think it's as much to do about, you know, getting the tour. It's, it's like, um, like college athletes, really. I know that's a, not a great comparison to make, especially considering that both players don't get paid. But you know, it's all about the facility. It's about the destination, as opposed to mm-hmm. you know how much you can make, which is which is still sad. Yeah. Okay. And that's that's enough. That's enough PowerPoint. Power. Sorry. Uh, power we, station we, talk. No, no. We, we look forward to the point where all of our favorite players will sell their soul for the highest bidder. Yes, yeah. and, and yeah. does. And, well, good uh, luck to you. And break if anybody up. would like to purchase my soul for <laughs> a high bid, I am also available. Uh, uh, okay, and uh, bids can start cheap. Put it that way. <laughs> uh, Dale knows this. I'm not prepared to go public with this yet, but I have also sold my soul recently in a New South Wales state league sense. And uh, oh, yes, you just? I and I highly, highly recommend it. Yes, <laughs> that's. <laughs> Eric's so, gonna have trouble like going through, uh, going through the automatically opening doors and breathing on the freezer now. Yes, so yes. Niche Simpsons yeah. reference. <laughs> right, what an episode that was. Uh, yes. So, uh, better news. Um, I uh, kind of, kind of a bit of a tangent into the world of cycling, but it it, it is relevant as we look to um, improve gender diversity in all areas of football. So, a report from some Canadian body whose name I forgot. I should have looked at this, but they knew that's not the point. I'll link to it. They they found that there are no biological advantages for trans women competing in elite sport. They found that the advantages are more social, uh, financial, social factors, training, access to equipment. Those advantages are far greater than testosterone. And I really hope people pay attention because. I think I can thinking of the world of athletics. Unfortunately, I've forgotten the names of the unfortunate, the poor athletes involved. But there's been some questionable treatment of yeah, Carstens is the one that comes to mind. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. So yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, and I think um, a friend of Beyond Ninety, Samantha Lewis, was asking about football New South Wales policies in this space. To which I answered, I don't think they have any. I don't think they do. Yeah, yeah, having so yeah, just. Hopefully, you know, we get this news out, and then you know develop the policies, and then you know trans women can uh, participate as well because trans women are women. Mm. Now, more good news: uh, the Wales FA have reached equal pay agreement with their women's and men's teams. So we've seen countries doing this. Uh, Ireland's done it, Australia's done it, and it, so forth. The US that was the famous one, but yeah, it's it's good to see. Of course, um, 
Wales just missed out on the World Cup, but you know, you've got stars like Jess Bishock, etc. So good to see um, uh, that kind of compensation. And, you know, we'll link to that as well. And then uh, I think we have to cover this because we did talk about the negative uh, also the negatives of players getting pregnant and what affected Sarah Bjork Gunnar's here as well as um, Emma McCandy from Reading. But also Magda Eriksson wrote positively about the way Melanie Leopold's pregnancy has been treated by um, by Chelsea. Shock horror, Chelsea are coached by a mother, Emma Hayes. Who would have thought? It's almost like lived experience matters. But mm. it's, it's the, the, I'll link to this, but I love that just people love having Mel- Melanie's baby at the training ground. And um, the, even the, my favorite bit was when they sent the list for Chelsea's midwinter training camp in Spain. And that was sent out. Melanie's name was there and her kid's name was there as well. Like he had also been called up. That's lovely. <laughs> but, I hope uh, that uh, having, having played park football with several men with children, uh, I would hope that the baby is kept well away from the training pitch uh during like shooting drills yes, um, yes I... because as hilarious as children injuring themselves is uh then not doing it to themselves is not very funny yeah it's not uh, but what are you talking about sam kerr always hits the target we'll be fine but... it's not sam kerr that i'm worried about <laughs> <laughs> yes yes and we will to avoid any backlash we will not name other players but mm. uh yeah match have you ever played with a mother uh, yeah, well, yeah, just my seven aside. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's pretty common in our in my very very yeah. non professional yeah. experience. Yes. But as um, somebody yeah. who played football in Campbelltown, and not to lean into the stereotypes here, but probably sixty to seventy percent of the women who played in the all age comps would have been mums, and mm-hmm. it brings a whole new meaning to soccer mums. Um, and also extremely rowdy. No shock there. They, yes. yeah, time time with the kids away from the other halves uh, is often extremely entertaining as an outsider. Yeah, and I, um, yeah, and, well, I'm, I, I can't throw shade given where I grew up. So <laughs> I, I wish, I wish, I hope those mothers live life to the fullest because um, yes. the mothers where I live, we they do exactly the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's another interesting point. Um, the club engaged a pelvic floor physiotherapist to work with Melanie Leopold. So that's, you know, that really, that that specialist knowledge, knowing what uh, mothers go through when they get pregnant and working on things. Because I, when Emma Mukandi spoke about uh, her experience trying to get back after pregnancy, she, and uh, boy, it's good. This is going to be a bit crude, but that's how Emma phrased it. She, she, basically said she needed to do pelvic floor work so she didn't wet herself when she kicked the ball. I'm not a football expert. I'm not a women's health expert by any means, but that sounds problematic. So, yeah. Yes. But I, mean, I, I think it also goes back to our never-ending conversation about the lack of investment in women's mm-hmm. sports science. Yeah. I mean, even, um, I, and I think it was this article, it may have been one of, one of the other ones that we looked at, um, talking about how, you know, advice about how long some are, uh, someone should play while they're pregnant it's mm-hmm. you know the clubs often and i can't remember which article it was but generally they didn't have an idea they just said mm-hmm. basically oh just check with your doctor mm-hmm. um so it's been just another one of those gigantic blind spots that yes. probably shouldn't be that blind and yeah yeah the more uh research into uh yeah all those sorts of things are you know uh you know 
what sort of training you should do while pregnant and then yeah post-recovery as well yes it, it's something med- medical misogyny unfortunately is very much a thing and yeah and with some doctors you feel like the blind spot is the entire woman which is just <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> but uh let's let's end this positively and uh <laughs> it's a link to oh, this little section at least but uh it's a link to a little short ad uh published by coca-cola because uh thank you to dale for pointing this out just before we started recording they've released a women's world cup ad and every little thing like this is just going to make it a little bit more real the World Cup is in less starts in less than six months. How good! You know, I don't really have any thoughts of them. In what? No. Well, actually, before even I saw the ad, I was at the shops and I saw the Coca Cola bottle with the World Cup. Now I yeah. have all the tickets I need, but I still went. I'm going to put the code in and see if I can win some more tickets. Yes. But um, <laughs> but um, get on it if you haven't got your tickets. Uh, yeah. They've got their and going now. Hopefully they have some more commemorative glasses like they did the last World Cup. Ooh, oh, yes. yes, I've got mine stacked over there. Yeah, I, that's right. Yep. Yes, we want all that sort of fun stuff. That, yes. that, there was a lot of chat about those in group chats on social media. And I was like, so yeah, like, I yep. hope, yeah, hope they do it again. Um, mm-hmm. So on to uh, news involving our beloved Matildas and Courtney Nevin. It has been loaned to Leicester City until the end of the 2022-23 FAWSL campaign from her parent called Hamari. Uh, she made her debut in Leicester's Cup defeat on penalties to Reading. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, like to know your thoughts because it's, you know, it feels like yesterday she was playing, she was doing the dub NPL thing and now she's in the, F- the FAWSL. Well, I mean, it is, to me, it's interesting because they... Obviously, have a need that uh, mm-hmm. you know has mm-hmm. been filled by Nevin going there on loan. I wonder whether that's a deal with an option to buy. Um, uh, you'd hope Leicester would be smart enough for that. Yeah, um, but uh, and the reason I say that is only because Remy Sameson has gone there on a permanent transfer, mm-hmm. um, which we speculated was much more kind of aimed at their potential you know, trying to rebuild after a potential relegation. Mm-hmm. Courtney Nevin seems to be one who's going over there, you know, to fill a gap uh, in the back line. But, you know, it's it's more great experience for her. Yeah. Um, Leicester is, um, you know, as I said last week, it was, it, they're, they're a bit of a new club in terms of women's football. But the fact that she's going to be over there playing potentially against some of the best players in the world, I yeah. think, and a World Cup year is, is, is more really good news for us. And uh, we started by talking about a left-footed free kick expert, Courtney Nevin, a left-footer that's quite handy with a dead ball. You never know the impact of banging in a couple from the set piece in the FAWSL. So let's hope that happens as well. So on to the last, the, um, oh God, I've forgotten how to speak English. What an unfortunate time to do this. So on to last weekend's dub action, round 12. It started with chaos on the public holiday with um, City defeating victory 6-3. Uh, yeah, I just, I, my brain melted when I watched this game. Did it, anyone have any coherent thoughts about this one? Uh, put good players in your team of the week. <laughs> don't yet. Don't uh, get roasted. I don't know. The whole, the whole, the whole shtick around uh, Vine and uh, Vine and Abini not being in the team of the season has been very funny, and I think that like this is you know, not necessarily a hot take, but um, I like that this kind of stuff has happened because it happens in every other league where you get pundits who kind of get made to look a little bit silly and mm-hmm. just kind of adds to the theatre of the league. It adds to 
you know, some people have some freezing cold takes and we get to look back at them and laugh. And now you watch, like, Courtney Vine's going to be, like, top scorer at the World Cup and this <laughs> is going to come back. And it's going to be, like, not in the best team between these two teams, blah, blah, blah. And it'll just be one of those, you know. it Like, like everything that happens in the dub, um, it will be an in-joke for the rest of time. Yes. Uh, yeah, and uh, can I just say, Ante Juric had had his own thing to say, and can I just say, I firmly believe that pettiness is a lifestyle. I hope this fuels uh, Courtney Vine and Princess Sabini all the way to Matilda Stardom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next game, uh, well, should we talk about the next game, Dale? I mean, I'll, I'll skip it if you yeah, want. Yeah, it, so, it was really hot. Uh, it was so hot that no football was played, actually. No, uh, yeah, yeah. Very regrettable incident in Canberra where the sun just got too close to earth and no football could be played. Um, yeah, that's, that's... And because that was Canberra's fault, Western United got a 5-0 walkover. Yeah, 5-0. Uh, you know, yeah, and... It, yeah, I've got to say, I talked about Canberra last week and I'm not going to tee off, but um, they were beaten by a better team last week. This week, Canberra were absolutely abhorrent. Um, and... Western are very good. I don't think you can take away from that. Mm-hmm. They, the, the players that they brought in um, after Jess McDonald's finished up her stint there mm-hmm. have been like, were a really welcome addition. Um, Daniel Steer was one who played really well. Um, but there were, there's just a lack of communication in the back line, which is pretty unfortunate to watch. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when yeah. you don't talk, you get beaten, unfortunately. Yeah, I, long way to go. It is nice that like, uh, and the 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 silver lining to this cloud is it's nice that there's still half a season to go. Like, yep. if this was any other season, we'd be three weeks from the end of the year, three, three weeks mm. from the end of the regular season, and be like, oh well, Canberra can't make the finals now. Mm. Um, and like, I still don't think they'll make the finals, but at least we've still got another eight games for them to try and you know wheedle something out of this season yeah. that's that's a little more positive. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I like the one of the assists, a little pass off the shoulder from Australia's own Danielle Steer. So that was, <laughs> and um, yeah. my other take for this was I tweeted out during the game because Hannah Keen ripped it up again. Hannah Keen, more like Hannah Queen, am I right? And Hannah Keen liked the tweet. So that's that's a little win for me. It's a small uh, but, victories, Eric. So yes, I, I, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I do because there, there's no big victories in my life, so I need the small <laughs> ones wherever I, wherever I can find them. But yeah, yep. Western United, like the point you made about Jess McDonald, Dale. It's lovely to see a club planning for the end of someone's guest stint and knowing what to do after it. I, I, that, that, I wish the other teams did. I let you Speak- know what that feels like when I feel those feelings. <laughs> yes. But anyway, but, but speaking of um, uh, end of guest player stints and changes, Western City Wanderers, they they defeated Newcastle Jets by a goal to nil at Wanderers Football Park, as I said earlier. Um, I like to call it good summer football from the Wanderers, but they managed the heat. Um, they did as much as they needed to do to beat the Jets. Um, so uh, Olivia Price's first half goal was another great man- goal. Yeah, and... It was yeah, a great the, goal. Yeah, and the the they managed it very well afterwards. I think there was one mm. kind of chance for the Jets where Ash Brodigan was lunging, but apart from that, yeah, what Wonder is like about as comfortable as a one 0 win can be. So yeah, I was I was and Price had that opportunity where she hit the bottom of the post as well. In yes, the yeah. Half, if I recall correctly, yeah. that was that would have been another really good goal. And Brodigan, she will not want to watch that game back. That's that chance in the second half. She was all alone inside the eighteen yard box. It had passed the keeper. All she had to do was get a touch. And she just couldn't couldn't reach it. But yeah, I thought both teams were, were good enough. Newcastle kind of offered a little bit, and and Wanderers obviously kind of managed the game a lot better. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Liv Price, as you say, um, 
you know. Yeah. One of her better games. Yes, and uh, yeah, I like the the thing about when she hit the post. I thought she should have just taken the early shot, but great composure to dance around one defender, dance around another defender. Then she almost curled it around a third defender and mm. into the goal, hit the post. Um, yeah, that also shout out to the Jets active fans who brought like six banners and were, I don't know if they were I don't know if they got permission to hang the banners on the fence or if they just did it anyway because it's Rudy Hill, just do whatever you want. But whatever, I good to see them supporting their um, team, even if they uh, didn't get any of the points in the end. Now, Madge has um, heard me rabbit on for long enough. So uh, your thoughts on the madness at AJ Kelly Park, Brisbane 3, Wellington 3, please. Oh, look, I take full responsibility for this one. At halftime, I turned around and just went, oh, this is quite enjoyable. Uh, this is making me happy. And then it all went to hell. Um, but, um, oh, look, Brisbane, disappointing, as you often have with teams that are playing against other teams with a person down. Uh, and then Wellington, yeah, they're going to be stoked with um, with their results. So uh, at one stage in the second half, uh, we were chanting, we hate you crossbar, we do. Um, <laughs> But, you know, yeah, happy to get a point out of it in the end. Um, but, yeah, it's um, yeah disappointing that Brisbane seemed to be a bit, you know, same story, a bit aimless in um, in their attack. Uh, still, I mean, still had created some good chances, like, you know, hitting the crossbar three three times, for, if not for a few centimetres, then, yeah, you get, you get a different result. So, yeah, me, disappointed. Wellington people should be pretty happy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed the Wellington player who was sent off pointing to the referee and telling her that it was outside the box because <laughs> that's yes. a red card. <laughs> yeah. I was if just like, no, would have been no don't do that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, they're, they're a young team. They'll learn. Um, <laughs> the rules of the game uh, would be good. Um, but no, it was it was very funny. I, Yeah, as soon as kind of um, like Wellington could have, probably snatched it in the end um yeah. just had the running of the game and um glad to say shay connor's get on the score sheet um i think she's yeah, been so yeah that was few, exciting it was and yeah a few more goals i think she's been worth this season she's there were a few games um ago i thought she probably was completely absent from a few games um in in the, over the last month or so but the last couple of games, I think, you know, she's at least been back to sort of making those runs uh, sort of mm. that we're more used to seeing earlier in the season. And so it was good to see her um, get some reward. And, you know, she was the one who also drew uh, drew the foul and the red card and the eventual Katrina Gorey uh, free kick. Um, but then, of course, Wellington had a very, very nice free kick of their own. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, entertaining game for the neutral, no doubt. So, yeah. Um, and you know what? I, I was happy to see some goals. We haven't seen too many goals from Brisbane this season. So, um, yeah, fun, but a little bit disappointing for us in the end. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, we it, I, it'd be better if um, we did know if Michaela Robertson was offside for that goal, which got chalked off. But uh, Look, I mean, we were down that end. Not Again, not perfect angle. We all thought it was offside, but okay, that's yeah. us as Brisbane Raw fans. So take that with a grain of salt, I guess. No, that's fine. I'm I'm actually happy to take it. That's that's all right. Uh, and then I, I I didn't watch a lot of this. I saw the goal at least, and uh, another one for my futsal agenda with the last game of the round. Melbourne City won. Adelaide United nil. 
Adelaide's troubles in front of goal continuing, but Rihanna Policino getting the job done once again. More from and more great work from City's midfield magicians. So, yeah, the, I don't know if anyone's got anything else to add, but at least um, yeah, I was, at, I was this this felt like a very uh, midweek seven thirty kickoff game. Um, yeah, Adelaide couldn't hit the side of a barn, and Policino had one one say a one shot save that was kind of curling around from the left hand side, if I recall correctly, and then had another one that that she that that goal that she scored, which I thought was taken quite well. Uh, but yeah, as you say, like Adelaide have last season's highest goal scorer uh, just not doing the not doing the biz at the moment, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, and another double figure goal scorer from last year. Just it's yeah, it's not working mm. for the Reds, unfortunately, at the moment. Uh commiserations to Chloe Lau, friend of Beyond 90. <clears throat> so so we preview round 13. I'll just run through this quickly with all times in Australian Eastern Daylight Time. So Saturday, 2:20 p.m. Sydney versus Melbourne City. Two Saturday 3 p.m. games, Melbourne Victory versus Western Sydney Wanderers and Western United versus Perth, Glory coming off the bye. Then two Sunday 4 p.m. games, Adelaide versus Brisbane, Newcastle versus Canberra. What stands out to you? Yeah, you know, Sydney, Melbourne City, of course. But I actually mm-hmm. think, um, I mean, you, know, you probably expect Victory to come back um, mm-hmm. against Western Sydney, but, you know, Western Sydney have been causing a few upsets here and there. So that would be an interesting game if they could pull out a result there. Um, and mm. Victory have had a fairly hard trot on um, with multiple games recently. So, but I guess they've got, they've got the full week at least now to recover. So yeah, that one could be uh, a, a sneaky, interesting game of the round. Uh, also, uh, Mel Victory have like no goalkeepers. So they do not could be problematic. Um, yep. You would assume that if Dumont's not fit, then Templeman would start, and uh, well, anything could happen. I assume on the goalkeeper front, I think Wyman is still a few weeks away, mm. um, so that could make Sydney and Melbourne City quite interesting. We saw what happened mm. when uh, you have a very young goalkeeper in Talia Franco in goals. Um, I think this week. Uh, chaos will reign. Uh, mm. Jets Canberra has a bit of chaos about it as Ooh, well. Oh, it's got a lot of chaos. <laughs> uh, sneaky tip uh, is Brisbane to get over Adelaide. Um, Adelaide have only won one game at home this season, and it was the first game against Sydney. Um, and I think that Brisbane have got their shooting boots on, and Adelaide most certainly do not. So if you're looking for a if you're looking for a, a, a bit of a smoky, I think Brisbane are the smoky for the week. Yeah, my takes, because I, I mean, I just found this out because I don't ever prepare for this pod. Western United versus Perth Glory, not at City Vista, as I had assumed. It is at Mooreshead Park Stadium, which is in Ballarat. Is that correct? Ballarat Regional Soccer Facility. Yes. So tough times for Perth and Alex Aparkis, not just flying over to Victoria, but then (laughs) having to get to Ballarat from the airport. Yeah. That just seems mean. Yeah. How, How this is not called like Eureka Park or something. Come on. Um, also pretty sure this held the, uh, junior Matildas or young Matildas versus New Zealand game a few months ago at Ballarat. I could be wrong. Anyway, unimportant. Yeah, doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, looking forward as always to seeing what's going on there. Now, just uh, let's briefly talk about around the world. Sam Kerr had her, her usual five goals in a week, two goals against Spurs in the 
in an FAW cell catch-up game. Do I have that right? And then, um, yeah. And well, I assume so, but it's not on the Optus website, but that's my problem, not yours. And then a hat-trick in the cup and they needed the hat-trick because Chelsea only beat Liverpool by three goals to two. At least good to see those two teams complete a game without yeah. in safe conditions though. So that's the main thing. Uh, what uh, notable Australian things? Oh, well, uh, former Australians, if that makes sense. Rebecca Stott scored in Brighton's 7-0 cup win over West Brom. So we love a Stotty goal. Uh, full game and clean sheet for Mackenzie Arnold as West Ham beat Wolves two goals to nil. And then Aston Villa defeated third tier AFC filed 11 goals to nil. But I think that's Emily Gilnick's first start in quite a while. Played an hour, a goal and an assist. So uh, perhaps not the toughest opposition, but good to see Emily playing. Over in Scotland, uh, Jacinta Galabar. Oh my God. Jacinta Galabarachi scored in Celtics 2-1 win over Hearts. And then... Uh, two wins for Juventus, who, of course, are coached by Joe Montemura. So, yeah, plenty of Aussie success. We love to see that. Now, on to our favorite segment at the end, uh, Queens slash Kings slash non-binary legends of the week. I think, Madge, you can go first. Oh, well, I've got a very deserving King of the Week uh, for Awa Mabil uh, picking up the 2023 Young Australian of the Year. So, mm-hmm. like, just, you know, a wonderful honor for him. and. Um, you know, doing amazing things with his charity and just, you know, being an all-round fantastic human being. So uh, well-deserved and I'm sure we'll do a fantastic job uh, in the role for the next year. Yeah, couldn't agree more. He's just such a brilliant, not just a brilliant footballer, but a great member of our community, a great example for like all young Australians everywhere and even Mm -hmm. young people around the world if they hear about our story. Dale, who, who have you selected? Uh, I have uh, a nondescript legend of the week this week. Uh, could have been even more than one. Uh, whoever it was that found that Barcelona and Sofia had selected ineligible players, thank you for providing me with the laugh that was very needed this week. Uh, and not necessarily King of the Week, but uh, keep him in our thoughts. One day from Adelaide United, mm. had a shocking leg injury on the weekend, which is why the women's game was delayed. Uh, thoughts go out to him and all the Adelaide players. Yeah, so I hate to see it anytime you see uh, an injury such as that on the field, and um, it just yeah, don't don't seek out footage of it. Just yeah, just don't. do not go and find that footage. Yeah, um, yes, I watch I these things so you don't have to. Yeah, that's right. That's the service Dale pro- provides in our group chat. He just tells us not to watch things, and I'm like, thanks, Dale, once again. Thank you for Thank protecting you. us. Now, uh, my selection. I've got two queens of the week, and I've got wholesome action from the FA Cup. So when. Leeds United from the fourth tier were drawn against Arsenal. Um, Amy Lee Woodruff, one of their forwards, uh, tagged Leah Williamson on Twitter after freaking out that she was going to play against Leah Williamson and asked her to to swap jerseys. Leah agreed on Twitter and kept her promise after Arsenal's 9-0 victory over Leeds. So there's some lovely social media content and it's just uh, great to see... uh, at beyond, we love Nuffrey at Beyond 90, and we definitely love Nuffrey of ball playing center backs. So well done to Amy and Leah. So I think that's about it. Unless any is there anything else anyone wants to add? Yep. Thumbs up from Dale. A shake of the head from Madge. So we're done once again. Thanks for joining us. Episode 132 of the Beyond 90 podcast. I promise I'll try and speak better English next time. But until then, take care, stay safe, stay sane. We hope your life is full of good vibes, tattoos, and razzlers. And if Amy Lee Woodruff is brave enough to ask Leah Williamson for her jersey on Twitter in front of the world, you're brave enough to ask that person out on a date. See you next time. 